Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Why We Value. Here we're talking about our five core values, which are honor, health, growth, generosity, and fun. And I am here today with Liana Cruz. Hello, Liana. Hi, Pastor Michael. Thanks for having me here hey, today. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about health. Now, before we jump into this, I want to let you know we believe in health as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, we want people to feel healthy in their bodies, in their mind, in their spirit, in their finances, in their relationships. Yeah. So when we talk about health, it's a big conversation. Yes. But you're going to help us today because Liana is our uh, mental health specialist here at Calvary Church. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because we are specifically talking about mental health. Yes. Now, that's a big big topic. What oh, does that yeah. mean to you when I say that's what we're going to talk about? Oh, that That's a really good question, Pastor Michael, because like you said, this idea of mental health encompasses everything. And so not just, you know, mental health, but also physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And so when I think of it, I'm like, there. there's a lot of things to tackle here, but it's good things that we're going to talk about here today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I just got to start with this because um, I love in Philippians when mm. it says, when Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Mm. And that word anxious in the Greek actually has this connotation of being double-minded. Mm. Uh, and so it, it's this thought of going back and forth between ideas and thoughts and it causing you to uh, not not understand what you're thinking and feeling because you're constantly going from one thing to the next. Now, I think that's something we can all relate to because we all have these moments of not knowing what we really mm. think about something or how we're feeling about something. And so I just want to start the conversation mm. with when we're talking about mental health, when we're talking about this idea of being able to be sound in our mind, mm. there's going to be times where we all are questioning something and we're yeah. all trying to work through something. How can we do that in a healthy way? What does that look like that's kind of a big way to start the conversation. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's mm -hmm. important for everybody to understand we are all on a journey for this mental yes. wholeness of figuring out what that looks like. Give me some thoughts towards that. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, Pastor Michael, when it, when it comes to thoughts, I think that we can say that your mental state is one of the hardest battles that we will all face in life. And yeah. one of my favorite authors, Craig Rochelle, who wrote the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, he said that most of life's battles are either won or lost in the mind and that the direction of where our life goes often is where our thoughts are strongest. And when you really begin to process that, you start to think, man, wh what are my thoughts throughout the day? Where are my thoughts leading me? And are they leading me to a positive outcome or a negative outcome? And I think practically one of the things that I have been learning is this idea of having an optimistic mindset. And I think that, you know, when we see the word optimism, we always just maybe assume, oh, happy, you have to be happy and we see people that are always happy and we think man like sometimes that's just not realistic for me or I feel like I can't always be happy like that when really this word optimism actually means hope for the future and being confident wow, that a successful outcome can come and I think what we're doing here is we're shifting our mindset to not just say oh this happy feeling 
but you are saying, hey, despite the hardships that I face, I am going to choose to have hope for my future and I am going to choose to be confident that a successful outcome can come. And I even think as believers, this is where we can really say, you know what, despite what I go through, I am trusting in the Lord and I am trusting that whatever happens, it will turn into something for the good of God and for his glory. Wow. You know, but as you're saying that, I bet there's somebody Mm. listening right this moment that heard you say optimistic Mm. and they've been trying. Mm. They've gone through it. They've been trying to put that that attitude of, no, it's going to be okay. And they're just not seeing that result. So how do you do that when when you've you've waited mm-hmm. and you've been patient and you're trusting in the Lord, but you're just not seeing the results that you hoped you would see? How do you stay optimistic in those moments? Mm, that's a really that's a really good question because I think th- this is where I think the wrestle comes. Is man, how do we how do we practically do this? And one of one of the scriptures that is my favorite that reminds me of this is Psalms 13, and this psalm is actually David, and he is wrestling with the Lord in this psalm because he is running away from his enemies. And so he's hiding in a cave when he is writing this psalm. And so he's probably hungry, starving, depressed, anxious, so fearful. And what I love about the end of this verse is that David says as, you know, he's pouring out his heart to the Lord, like, can you hear me? Like my enemies are coming after me. At the end, he says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice in your salvation and I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And I remember after I got a hold of this verse, I remember telling myself that this is the posture of how I want to live my whole life, that even in the midst of hardships and, you know, trying to tackle these things, I want to say, God, I trust in your unfailing love. Because I think really what this is, is a posture of gratitude and thankfulness of saying, Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your unfailing love. And what's so awesome about the posture of gratefulness and thankfulness is that recent studies have just shown that the response your brain has to things like gratitude and thankfulness and the response your brain has to things like anxiety, depression, or fear, those things cannot coexist in the brain together or your brain cannot respond to both of those things at the same time. Your brain can alternate between the two, but it cannot have both of those responses happening at the same time. And so really what this is saying is that when we start to elevate things like gratefulness and thankfulness, then we start to decrease things like anxiety, depression, and fear. But the same thing happens on the opposite end, that if we start to elevate depression, anxiety, and anxiousness, gratefulness and thankfulness these things start to decrease and so this is where we have to ask ourselves man where where are we being led with our thoughts but that's just one example of how you can do that is really elevating things like gratefulness and thankfulness yeah so okay so you said something first of all i love david in this conversation uh and i don't know if you've ever realized this he has a Mm. rhythm to his his poems right yeah Yeah. so he always starts with this honest confession Mm. and i think some of what you're talking about right now even the optimism it can't happen without first, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. there being this honest expression of, I'm being real with how I feel right now. Yeah. This is where I'm at. And I see that in David's Psalms. Mm-hmm. That's why he says things like, hey, I'm in this pit. 
when are you going to lift me up? Or mm. why is my soul so downcast and broken? He's, he's confessing, this is where yeah. I'm at. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, do you feel like maybe mm. we can't get to this optimistic spot or we can't get to any sort of healthy ground because we haven't stopped and done mm. the work to say, man, here's what I'm feeling and not only mm. what I'm feeling, here's why I'm feeling this. Do you think there's a part in there? Yeah. No, yeah, I, I do. I really believe that because I think oftentimes, like you said with David, he, you know, he always starts with being honest. And I think sometimes we as people struggle to get there. And I think the reason we struggle to get there is because we allow so much distraction in our life. And when we allow distraction in our life, like for example, things like social media or other things like that, then it causes us to not actually deal with the issue. And so what we try to do is we try to cope and manage our issues by ignoring them and distracting ourselves rather than actually facing the issue head on. And I think David is such an example of, you know, he was going through serious stuff and he was so honest with the Lord. But I think at the end of the day, this is where he has the name a man after God's own heart because he is pouring out his entire being to the Lord and actually dealing and facing with his issues head on. And I think that it's so important to do that because when we don't, if we're not honest with ourselves and if we can't deal with our issues head on, then we'll never be able to learn how to actually overcome and conquer the issues that we're facing if we're just distracting ourselves. Yeah. Is there like maybe a practice or something that someone can do to, mm-hmm. uh, to be real with how they're feeling? Is there something you would tell, hey, just start here, try this? Yeah. Absolutely. I think one of the best ways to do that is by journaling. And I think that journaling is so important, especially because what you know, when it's just you and yourself, this is really when you can take advantage of this opportunity to just write and be honest. And sometimes it... <clears throat> It starts there when no one really, you know, sees it yet. But you, if just being real and honest with yourself and then eventually, you know, when you feel comfortable, then opening yourself up to other people, because I think once you begin to open yourself up and be honest with people, that is where you will see healing begin. But I think that is just one practical way of starting that is just by journaling and being honest with yourself and honest with your thoughts of where you're at. So I read a Harvard study not too long ago that talks about how the brain actually cycles through thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it was talking about the fact that when you're like, I, I struggle to sleep, mm-hmm. I have thoughts that go nonstop, right? So I yeah. keep a journal next to my bed because yeah. basically what this article was saying is that once you start thinking about something, if you don't do something about it, what happens is it goes to the back of the mind mm. and then it circles back around. And every time it comes back around, it gains momentum and strength. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is uh, you begin mm. to stress and worry about those things. Mm. Yet if you were to do an action step of any sort, this mm. article was saying it tells your brain, hey, you're doing something about it. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. So as simple as writing it down in a journal, that causes your brain to say, Oh, Michael's got it. He's figuring something out. Now, yeah. if I don't do something more with it, then it becomes a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But that's the starting part is what it was telling. This article was talking about was that's the starting place for you telling your brain, relax. Yeah. I'm working on this. Do you, yeah. Any thoughts towards that? Yes. I and, and I love that you said that because I think it is so true. And I think when you... 
when you let your thoughts sit, because I, I know for me too, I am a thinker. I think all the time. I'm an internal processor. So there's always thoughts running through my mind. And I think, like you said, the issue is, you know, when you don't do anything with those thoughts, then what starts to happen is you start to create this spiral in your head. And sometimes that's when you start to think and then overthink. And then it just keeps going and keeps going. And what I love about what you said is that I think that things like journaling and other stuff, you know, like that is also this idea of taking your thoughts captive. Mm -hmm. And this is where we also see this in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, when it says, I take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord. And I think, you know, this idea and concept of taking your thoughts captive is huge because what you're essentially saying is, you know, I am not allowing myself to feed into these thoughts that are not life-giving and that are not honoring to the Lord. And you're not allowing them to take root in your mind. But also, more than that, you're not allowing them to take habit or pattern in your life, which is huge because in our brain, we have something called neural pathways and neural pathways are the connections between your brain that go from one part of your brain to another, which do connections and signals and responses. And so the issue is that, you know, when we have habits and patterns in our life that are, you know, negative, we're creating these neural pathways that begin to get deeper and deeper and deeper that are then harder to fight off. But that's the same thing when it comes to good patterns in our life, that we can create neural pathways that are good and healthy for us. But when we create patterns that are not healthy, then it's harder to fight because we've created these patterns in our life that now we're fighting against not only mentally, but also physically, emotionally, spiritually. They we're start fighting to against control all these us things. Then more, right? Like it becomes part of it's just normal for us to go yeah. to that mm -hmm. as our main thought. Yeah, absolutely. And th that's exactly what it is. And then, you know, and that's where we see it, it just begins to get harder. And so that's why it, you know, it's so important when I, when I think of taking my thoughts captive, sometimes I even imagine of in my mind, actually grabbing the thought and just holding it in my hand and saying to myself, you know what, I, I'm not feeding this thought and I'm not letting it take root in my mind. And I'm going to allow positive and you know even like things like scripture to be in my mind rather than negative self-talk or things like that hey so we're we're talking today as a couple believers in the lord mm -hmm. help me understand why is this so important for us to figure out like what mm -hmm. does that do to us spiritually if we don't i think i think it's so important important this idea of you know taking your thoughts captive because I think it is it is part of you know even one of the fruits of the spirit self-control and when it comes to self-control I think that this is really huge and you know I was even talking to somebody the other day about mental health and I remember the Lord put it on my mind this idea of how we are so hungry to find the answers of when it comes to mental health and we're trying so hard to you know solve the issue and solve the problem but one thing I notice is that even though you know we're so hungry for the answers I think there are so you know few people who are actually willing to put in the work hmm. to do things like taking your thoughts captive or building self-control in your life to actually help prevent a lot of these things from happening. And so that's where I think, you know, it's so important to do a lot of these things that we're talking about, but on a consistent 
basis. And that's why people say, you know, if you want to start something, do it for 30 days because 30 days is where you'll see a habit and a pattern begin. And so I think it's so important that, you know, we not only talk about it and seek after these things, but we also are putting actions behind these things. Well, that's good. And we we don't have a whole lot of time left. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to give us um, a couple of action things that people mm. can practice and see how it grows in there. And, and yeah. I would love for you to talk about social media in there somewhere yes. because I know that's a huge part of the conversation. Yep, absolutely. And so I think, you know, when it comes to practical things, and self-control, this is where we get into the conversation of healthy boundaries and setting healthy boundaries in your life. And so one of those examples being, you know, what are you watching? Things like social media. And this is where social media comes into play because when you ask yourself, you know, what are you feeding yourself? Are you feeding yourself things that are causing you to feel more insecure and causing yourself to have more doubt and negative self-talk? Because I think, you know, really the question is, are you, how are you setting yourself up? Are you setting yourself up to win or are you setting yourself up to lose and I think again when it comes to things like social media you know this is where we see you know how are you setting yourself up by what you're watching and what you're feeding into your mind why does that have such an impact Mm -hmm. on us you know I think it has such an impact on us because when it comes to our brain and when it comes to the responses of our brain they they say that things like social media, the dopamine that you receive when you watch things is actually the same dopamine that you get when it comes to drugs or things like that. Wow. And so when you think of that and when you think of how you are firing up your brain, it's almost like it's a drug and it becomes almost like an addiction, like a drug. But like we know, you know, when it comes to addiction, it is often hard to stop when you get into it. And addiction leads to way more things than we even think and know and so that's why it's important to just ask yourself you know what are you feeding your brain are you setting yourself up to win or are you setting yourself up to lose hey and i would also add for the parents that are watching know what your teens know Mm. what your kids are watching too because they're forming those thoughts about themselves and those ideas um and it's our job to help shelter them protect them don't be afraid to say let me see your phone absolutely let me see what things you're looking at absolutely Isn't that so important for a parent to be able to to be part of? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think, you know, for for the parents, what's so important is that you play a huge role in your children's life and how they develop and how they grow up. And the reality is, is that they can't they can't do without you and that they need your help. And that I think as a parent, you know, it is so, so important, so important to do things like that. Okay, so we have journaling, we have setting healthy boundaries. Give me one more. What's another good practice? Yes, I think another thing is relationships. The relationships that you are in, this is so big because I think oftentimes, you know, we ask ourselves, you know, why do I feel this way or why am I still in this state of anxiousness? But then when you look at the people you're hanging out with, you start to see that, man, these are people that are keeping you in that mentality. These are people that are actually drawing you away from what God is calling you to or even just living a healthy life. And so I think that is so important to really ask yourself, who are you surrounding yourself with? And so, and I think that's huge, or even the thought of, you know, are you not surrounding yourself with anybody and are you staying in isolation? Because that's huge too. Sometimes we tend to keep to ourselves and really 
community is important. It's so important to the way we live, but it's also important to know that is it a healthy community? Is it community that is life-giving and going to uplift you? That's big. You know, and we say we find yeah. freedom in groups here at Calvary. Yes. Uh, and so that's why we encourage people, get in a group, have that, that people yeah. that are common in mindset, mm-hmm. common in goals that can help encourage and lift each other up. Yeah. Super important. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, before we're almost out of time here, but before we end, I know not every mental health conversation is something mm-hmm. that's as easy as, hey, just think differently or uh, be positive and optimistic. What would you say to those that are needing mm-hmm. that extra help? Uh, we want to take that so sensitive. We believe oh, yeah. in finding extra help and finding people outside, um, maybe sometimes the church setting to be able to help those those people. What would you What would you say to that? Yes. And, you know, I want to make, you know, this conversation clear that the things that we've talked about today, you know, they are they are simply recommendations. And I know that even and I want to be sensitive to people who would say, you know, I've tried all of these things and, you know, I just feel like it's not working in my life. And, you know, when I hear stuff like that, I I. I understand. And I think I would want people to know that just like we talked about in the beginning, continue to have hope, continue to have hope and be confident that the Lord is bringing freedom. And I know that oftentimes it can feel discouraging when we try things and they don't go the way we want them to. But I think what's so important is that the Lord is with you and he's walking with you. And sometimes the Lord teaches us more when we see him walking in the struggle with us than just quickly healing us from what we're dealing with. And I think both are important, but I think there's so much to learn along the journey of continuing to trust God even in the hardships and have hope that he is teaching you more and that he will restore you and heal you in ways that you might not be expecting. Yeah. And you know, there's been a stigma in the church with maybe talking to counselors Mm -hmm. and professionals. Um, Do you think there's anything wrong with that or... What, what can we do with that conversation? Yeah, I I do not think there's anything wrong with that at all. And I think, in fact, this is, this is one of the most important things to do because like we said in the beginning that, you know, exposing and bringing everything to the light brings freedom and brings healing because when you keep stuff in the dark, it stays in the dark and there is nothing, you know, that can be done if you don't allow people in. But when you expose it to the light, when you tell people what's going on, that is where you will see freedom. Just like you talked about yeah. how our groups here, being in a group and being in community, it brings freedom. Yeah, that's so good. And I'll just say for everybody watching, uh, sometimes we need somebody to help us figure out the why we feel the way we do. Mm-hmm. We could identify what we're feeling, yeah. but we don't always understand why we feel that way. And we've got to get to the heart of that mm-hmm. in order to be to be able to find the wholeness and the healing. Yeah. So Liana, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your, your specialty, your mm-hmm. wisdom and your knowledge and for sharing that with us. Thank you so much, Pastor Michael, for having me here today. It's been great. And wherever you are watching or listening to this, be sure to check the description because we'll have more resources and books and other ways you can further this understanding. We would love for you to check those out and find uh, any sort of resource that would help you out. But be sure to join us next time because we are going to be talking about why we value generosity. See you next time.